Hey, how's it going? Well, I just read a report from the World Health Organization that says women, all women of childbearing age should not drink anymore because it might decrease our chances of getting pregnant. And so now I just wish I'd added vodka to this raspberry lemonade I'm drinking because that's some bullshit. Well, you know, listen, I believe that what you want as a woman is just another man's opinion about your body, right? Totally. Because living in Texas, I I don't have nearly enough of those. Right. Well, that's what I'd heard. Um, so I, so here's my problem, Aaron. It feels like I just saw you. Well, you did. did. (laughs) Where have the minutes gone? (laughs) Um, It's been like an entire hour and a half since I saw you. (laughs) I know. And you went and had lunch. I hope you like were with friends and like. I did. I went out with a friend. I went out with a friend whose birthday was yesterday. So we went out for a little post-birthday, little lunchy, and it was really nice. So happy birthday to that friend. If they listen, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you don't listen, <laughs> what the hell are you doing with your life? Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, so now we're going to talk about a horrible, horrible story. Really? That early? We've only been vamping for two minutes. We gotta. Oh well, come on and vamp. Well, we 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 wasted it all this morning, Aaron. Okay, listen. No, okay. I saved some stuff, so I have done two things that have brought me into the like early 2020s, late 2010s. I'm almost caught up to real time now. I finished Shit's Creek last week. And mm-hmm. balled all the way through it. And I started Lucifer. Yeah. And holy shit. I really love Lucifer. Like, A, no, a you plus writing. Love the actor B, who plays Tom Lucifer. Ellis is a beautiful man. Um, but Tom Ellis is in one of my favorite British comedy shows. He's in Miranda. Um, and mm-hmm. he's just like average looking good. Like he's average good looking there. And then yeah. Lucifer, he's like... I'm sorry. Are you talking, sir? What I can't, I can't hear anything you're saying right now, my friend. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, but no, as far as I did not expect to like it, like I did not expect it to be as darkly funny as it is. But uh-huh. it's hilarious and very well written. So um, one day okay. I'm going to be caught up to a current running TV show, and I'm not going to know what to do with myself. Literally all I've watched lately is Lifetime movies. So um, you're doing better than I am. Um, We're about, I don't know, two thirds of the way through Hot Crazy Girl Summer for Lifetime. We have, um, let's see, we'll be doing Secrets of a Gold Digger Killer. And that's just too many words. That sounds like a cult. Like when you have that many words in a title, you sound like a cult. Well, yeah. And then we have um, (laughs) Left for Dead. And then we have um, The Secrets of a Marine's Wife. And then we have the 
Lori Vallow movie, which I'm not psyched about at all. So no, I'm not looking Do you forward think, to that one. Like, okay, so yes, we cover a lot heavier content, but like the way that you said that you're like, all I've watched is Lifetime movies. We're in the mm-hmm. middle of hot, crazy girl summer. Like it sounded like lifetime burnout already. Do you think this is how the poor uh, deck the Hallmark guys feel in the middle of Christmas season? Like, <laughs> I mean, probably, but also times 10 because we're getting like, uh, like 12 movies and they do like 40. It's so many. Also they get to do it as a full-time job. So like that would be fun. Well, they're actually, they're actually going back to work next year. So are they really? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. They made an announcement not that long ago. So, um, yeah. I don't follow them like kind you do. Sad. I just kind of listen to them casually. It's kind of sad for them. Like, I love to see people be able to, like, really do it, you know, without having yeah. any other jobs. But they all have, like, families and kids and stuff, you know. I'm sure they want to be able to, like, do nice things. So, Well, Makes and sense. it could just be the insanity of working from home. Like, I can see... So one of the things that I'm sure you feel too, because you work at home, even though like you have a nine to five job that you do from home mm-hmm. is you don't leave the four walls of your house. So like, no, I didn't realize what a, what a like poor routine I'd gotten into until I forced myself to go out with someone a couple nights ago. And I was like, oh, there is a world outside of this house. Look at yeah. this stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you know there's a taco stand on this street? <laughs> oh right. no oh did you see no. that the the ladies from one tree hill are starting a podcast no yeah i saw Is it, it like earlier the, the today. office ladies where they like go yeah episode by episode? Mm-hmm. yeah like um I've... yeah um so it's like it's uh hillary burton and um Oh, what's her name? Sophia Bush. And then Sophia the other Bush. Girl. Oh, I had the biggest thing for Sophia Bush. Yeah. Anyways, they're starting a podcast and it comes out like in a couple of weeks, I think it's going to start. So look out for that. I'm oh. sure it'll be really good. So for sure. Yeah. Um, that's what, in fact, while you're at lunch, I was listening to Office Ladies and eating a microwave burrito while packaging up soap. So that was my nice. exciting lunch date. I was I, well, I went on my way to my lunch date on the way home. I went to, um, I was listening to Morbid. So, oh, very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm like slowly making my way through Morbid. It's been, you know, I'm on the Boston Strangler, which, oof, yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Mm, no, well, don't. Thank you for being here <laughs> with me. I feel, I feel like we are. I'm into you, not to you. Yes. Oh. <laughs> um, I just. I know that people really come here to listen to us talk about our lives and the rest is inconsequential. Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's the quality Definitely content not. they're here for. And yeah, totally. so that being said, this is Lifetime Sentence and I'm Paul and I'm more awake than the other episode you would have heard at some point. I'm Aaron, and I'm just the same amount of awake as I was earlier. So <laughs> this time I've changed out of a sundress into my bathing suit and a cover up because I'm, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to the pool. So I'm so jealous. I have to capitalize on my day off. So I'm, I'm like doing some work and then Good I'm going to do you. some play. <laughs> so now do you want to talk about this terrible, horrible story? No, I've been trying to avoid it. This one is really sad. 
yeah, this case is yeah. really sad. This is, this is also the one I did when I knew that I was going to have the mental fortitude yesterday. So, mm-hmm. like, I researched Soccer Mom Madam whenever I was up late and kind of delirious. This one is the mm-hmm. one I devoted, like, actual brain power to because I knew yeah. that I was going to need to be in a good headspace for it. Yeah. It's funny. So All I right, watched so- Soccer Mom. I was not in the mood yesterday when I was doing notes. And I watched Soccer Mom Madam first. And then I watched this and I was like... You know, I'll just watch part of it and then I'll go to sleep. But I got kind of wrapped up in it and I was like, you know what? I'm almost done. And it, like, really, it was like, oh, I'm halfway through it. And oh, I'm almost done. I might as well just finish it. It was actually really good. Um, definitely the production quality between the two movies is quite different if you watch them back to back, which I don't typically do that with Lifetime movies. Um, right. So it was. I mean, you don't, it, you don't like a Lifetime double feature? I don't, I don't know why not. <laughs> Well, I like I feel like you and I are trading spots now because you used to be the one that never watched TV and now I'm the one like I can't stand watching TV right now. Like I want nothing to do with watching TV. And Right. Unfortunately, it's part of my job. So, <laughs> you know, I have to, but um it's like I I feel like we've switched spots. Like you're like, "Oh, I'm catching up on all your shows." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm not at all. I have no desire to sit down and watch TV." So, it'll right. come back though. It always does. So, it will. um this week, I watched Gone Mom. It stars Annabeth Gish. She plays Jennifer. She was in Mystic Pizza. With Julia Roberts, right? Is that mm-hmm. Julia Roberts? Yeah. yeah. That's like her first role. Mm-hmm. Nixon. Okay. Which is another, like... Yeah. Yeah. Real movie. And Beautiful Girls. Um, Laura Harris. She plays Audrey. Um, she was in The Faculty, A Mighty Wind, Severance, and 24. Okay. Um, and finally, Warren Christie, he plays Fotis. And I just, I'm going to say this at the top. If you have a great grandpa named Fotis, who's like a really nice old man, whenever I make fun of the name Fotis for the next 45 minutes, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about this motherfucker right here. <laughs> just to make that perfectly clear because when you're a sociopath and a murderer and your name is Fotis, your name's fucking stupid and i'm gonna make fun of it <laughs> there here we're about to roll in on one star reviews I, I used to like you until you made fun of my great uncle Fotis ford Fotis. who improved on the ford f-150 and i thought you were a texan aaron <laughs> so warren <laughs> Warren Christie is actually in a lot of Hallmark movies, and he's also been in another uh, Lifetime movie that we've covered. So he's from The Most Wonderful Time of the Year, which was on Hallmark. He was in This Means War with Chris Pine and Reese Witherspoon. Oh, and, yeah. Um, okay. yeah. Um, he was in If I Only Had Christmas, the just ill-fated Wizard of Oz movie from CCB last year. That was so oh, bad. Oh, yeah. Do you know? Okay, so sorry, so Warren. It, it was a real bad movie. She went on so many interviews talking about how, like, every time she puts out a, a movie, she's always afraid that's going to be the one that flops. And she, But she's only ever said that when this one came out. And I was like, oh, this is going to be real bad, isn't it? And then, like, it, it came out. And I was like, bad. ooh, she knew when she was filming it that it was bad. 
that she had to prep us all (laughs) you know i don't dislike ccb as much as other people she has a couple of movies that i actually do like the northern lights of christmas is one of my favorites um but this is that the one where she's the vet yeah no yeah i love that no it's the one where she's a doctor and she has to work on the animal even though she's a doctor that's what i'm thinking of she's works on the reindeer but yeah 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 um and he was also in cocaine godmother which we've covered before. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't want to talk about this case. Okay. We open with a and woman. So let's just talk about our favorite and least favorite CCB movies. The next 45 minutes, we're ranking Candace Cameron. I literally Dewey just did. Worst to least. <laughs> I mean, I just did that and it only took like two minutes. <laughs> I just said from worst to least. I've apparently only seen bad CCB movies, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> look that one that she did with with kevin arnold that was a good one that we Which did that, that we covered one? no one would tell oh yeah oh yeah he killed her yeah that was a yeah <laughs> so we open with a woman pulling into her impossibly long driveway at her impossibly enormous house talking about how she's changing her life and living her own way oh she's voiceovering a blog post this will go well she says she's, she knows she sounds like a poor little rich girl complaining about a life most people can only dream of, but most people aren't him. XOXO, oh, no. gossip girl. No, I'm sorry. She said most people aren't married to him. Sorry. Um, oh, sorry. And then there's the pulls, XOXO. Yeah. Okay. She pulls into the garage and when she closes the door, the sky turns dark and police lights are reflected on the door cut to a woman pacing back and forth and saying that she hasn't shown up for any of her appointments all day and no one has seen or heard from her. Also, she's going through a horrible divorce with a nasty man who's threatened her in the past. She's a mother of five and it's not like she would just leave. Back in the garage, the police are taking photos and cordoning off the scene while a reporter talks about how Jennifer Dulos, mother of five, has gone missing. Her family, of course, says that she would never disappear and we get we get a full on title card in this movie, which we don't get that often. Oh wow! Like old school yeah. lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Jennifer's friend is at the police station talking to a very nonplussed detective. She tells the officers that Jennifer did feel threatened by her husband and says again that the divorce was extremely nasty. Her husband's name is Fotis, and just know I'm going to make fun of that this entire time because he's garbage. Um, we see the beginning. Can I, can I just tell you what that makes me think of? So I only said at the top and then I'm done. Yes. So um, the first time I went drinking with my best friend from high school, she oh looked at me. She'd had, and it, she hadn't even had much to drink, but you know, we were young and so had not developed any kind of sure. tolerance. Yeah. And she looked at me and she blinked real hard and she went, you have to stop talking. And then finally she went, okay, I'm so sorry, but my iPhone is slow. And I went, what? <laughs> and she went, my iPhone is slow. <laughs> I assume she meant focus. Focused, yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay. Wow. 
So um, we see the beginning of Jennifer and her friend Audrey's friendship. Um, We're back in Manhattan and it's 1999. They're hugging and saying goodbye because Jennifer is heading off to find herself in Colorado and write. So Jennifer starts writing and finding herself. I know, right? And she meets Fotis. And he's pretty hot, which with a name like Fotis, you you have to be. I'm just saying. Um, Right. Turns out they went to college together. Um, He remembers her and tells her that she looks incredible. They end up spending the weekend together. Fotis is a professional water skier. And I just wrote, God, even his job is stupid. Um, (laughs) He... He definitely was on an episode of House Hunters with a $9 million budget. I hate this guy so much if it's not already very clear where I stand. Um, He asks why she's still single. And she says that she's been working on her book and she's just been a recluse. So um, she starts writing projects and then doesn't finish them. And I was like, same, same. Same. (laughs) Been there. So. Obviously, they're going to fall in love. This guy is usually in Hallmark movies, after all. So they hook up, which is not something we usually get to see in a Hallmark movie. Um, And Fotis keeps harping on how they should have dated in college. She tells him that he's under no obligation to stay the night and that this will be totally casual, obviously. So the next thing you know, Jennifer is moving back to New York in 2004. Um, Her friend Audrey tries to hook Jennifer up with a guy that's in prison. I was like, Audrey, no, no. Um, Listen, you don't know what he's there for. Oh, she says it was a a small thing, like a white collar crime that's not even illegal in some states. (laughs) See, he probably just said something racist. It's fine. Yeah, that's not fine. Jennifer says (laughs) that she's going to finally write her novel um, and that's when her phone rings and it's Fotis calling because he saw her in a paper at a Met event. They plan a date, but Jennifer has to cancel because she's sick. But Fotis, the pharmacist, comes to the rescue with flowers and soup. And he's not actually a pharmacist. I just want to leave. <laughs> Saying he <laughs> never, he never gets sick. So he's not worried about catching anything. And Lifetime, you got to stop using gift bags or shopping bags. That's not a thing. Stop it. I never thought about that, but as you mentioned that, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you gotta stop it. I just make up a store name, something. Um, Or just a generic brown, like, brown paper bag. Yeah. So Fotis tucks Jennifer in on the couch and shows her everything he brought to nurse her back to health. Jennifer says he's too much, and he says, quote, no, I'm just the right amount. Oh, listen, so we have passed a single red flag, and this is now a whole ass red carpet flying away in the wind. Mm-hmm. And we cut to Jennifer trying on wedding dresses. Audrey asks her if maybe things are moving too fast, and Jennifer assures her that he's not just a professional water skier, which sounds just as stupid coming out of her mouth as you'd think it would. <laughs> Audrey's like, listen, uh, my buddy in prison's got some friends too. Yeah, we can. Audrey, you can you can still sample everybody. <laughs> Audrey asks how she knows that Fotis isn't marrying her for her money. So, um, just uh, Jennifer's family is like 
super rich, like Richie, rich, 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 like very, very rich. Like her dad owns a bank rich. I was going to say, don't give too much away because I don't know if you know who her whole family is, but I'm excited to tell you if you don't. I don't know who her whole family is, but they do touch on the fact that like basically her dad owns a bank. And I'm like, great. Um, okay. That's so much money. <laughs> um, so Jennifer assures Audrey that she and Fotis get each other and they're stupid happy. And he, quote, sets her loins on fire. You should probably go see a doctor. <laughs> it just reminded me of, do you remember when we did the Joyce Mitchell prison break episode and she was listening to that dirty book the whole time? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Her hot, sexy shoulder. Oh, God. Um, so they get married and they're silly string at the reception, which society people don't do silly string, but whatever. Um <laughs> Back at the house, police are going over the place with a fine-tooth comb, obviously. Um, reporters talk about a tip line they've opened up to try to find leads, but and there, there are no suspects. I'm like, yes, there are. Um, back in the past, <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer and Foda somehow already have four kids, which is three kids too many. That's too many kids. Well, so she she can't stop having them. She has two twice. Yeah, she has two sets of twins, I don't know, like back to back. I don't know no. if I'll hit on this, but like, I don't remember if it's in my notes, but like, she's so good at it that she just keeps making two of them at a time. Like, slow down. She, <laughs> oh, that's too, ma- too many kids. Um, so he dotes on her while she snuggles the babies. Audrey talks about how well Jennifer took to mothering and not just because she was rich as fuck. Um, she talks about how happy Jennifer was and how much she loved Fotis. She and Fotis make out in the hallway. Gross. Um, and Audrey talks about how Fotis quit his job basically right after the wedding to start a very, very expensive business where he builds homes that nobody wants to buy. <laughs> from what I watched, so from, from watching this movie and then watching the, the bit of the little documentary they had afterward, that's what I gather his career was. He was building homes that nobody wanted to buy. Well, right. So basically he was just spending right. his wife's money. Um, yeah. So Audrey says it was very clear to her that Photos was just setting himself up and his family with a shit ton of Jennifer's money, but that Jennifer didn't see it. Photos comes to Jennifer's office one day saying he wants to play hide and seek. Ugh. Um, Audrey visits. Yeah. Um, if you're not eight years old, don't say those words anymore. Mm-hmm. Audrey visits Jennifer and remarks about how tired she looks and um, how she's let her hobbies fall by the wayside. And maybe Fotis could like take care of the kids sometime. But Jennifer insists that everything's fine. And she's like kind of a nag sometimes. So she totally gets why Fotis needs time to himself. Uh, nah. This is why I'm not married. Have you seen that TikTok where um, it's like the guy and he's like, um, my wife told me to do the dishes, but fuck that. I, I'm not going to do the, the damn. And the, do you just hear the wife from the other room? Do the goddamn dishes. No. <laughs> That's me as a wife. Just saying. <laughs> uh, no, but I saw one this morning that was like, 
a guy reacting. It was a duet, and this one was like, mm-hmm. so every morning before my husband wakes up, I write. Oh my god, yes, I'm on the whiteboard, and then the like, have you seen that the guy gets to oh, the yeah. end, and she goes, and then I put on his favorite Christian playlist, Christian and he goes, there it is, there it is, yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. I just want to know, she like you and Sarah are. You and Dr. Sarah are church people. Does Dr. Sarah do that for you in the morning? Dr. Sarah wakes up by punching me and telling me to go get the kid ready for school. That's how we wake up. (laughs) And then she might say, you're snoring. And I might say, okay. So no, mm-mm. even when we were newlyweds, that was like, she used to make my lunch with a little note in the bag. Cause I left for work earlier than her, but, yeah. um, we just celebrated our 10th anniversary yes. a week ago. Um, after mm-hmm. 10 years, the magic is gone and we are in survival mode at this point. We love each other very much, but, um, I mean, there was never a three other things to worry about. <laughs> right? There was never a three reasons she loves me because like the fact that she hasn't smothered me with a pillow was like just proof enough for me. Oh, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Audrey tells Jennifer that she just wants her to be happy. Um, Jennifer and the nanny are feeding the kids breakfast one day when Foda storms in bitching about how he can't find his sunglasses. Um, Jennifer's like, hey, uh, my hands are quite full at the moment. And so maybe like find your own fucking sunglasses you giant baby and he's like you know i don't understand why you can't just be supportive of me and they fight about how often he's away and how his definition of business trip and her definition of business trip are very different um she tells him that maybe he should grow up and give up some of his hobbies and by the way your stupid sunglasses are on your stupid dashboard you fucking idiot and then she storms inside god lifetime really has changed up their script writing since last i knew yeah Jennifer writes in her blog about compromise, marriage, blah, whatever. Um, Fotis is at a bar flirting with a French lady, but unfortunately, his credit card has been reported as lost and declined because Jennifer's (laughs) pissed. I think my definition of work trip might be different than his, too. Yeah, same. Am I supposed to be flirting with a French woman at a bar on my work trips? Because I did it wrong for a long time. No. Um, Jennifer is at at home looking at pictures of Fotis water skiing with a bunch of hot girls when he comes in asking her if she thinks she's being funny and yelling about how she made him look like a fool, like a fool. Jennifer says (laughs) it's time for... He's just turned into a Disney villain. Yeah. Jennifer says it's time for him to start making some sacrifices and he starts gaslighting the fuck out of her and talks about how great he is and how she should be thankful that he's like pretty and shit. Um, He's like sacrifices. I quit my fucking job for you. Yeah. I'm also like super hot. (laughs) Is it just what you wanted? I want, you wanted a hot husband? Well, here I am, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help it that I like to go water skiing with other hot girls. Hot people hang out with hot people. Don't you know that? (laughs) Oh my God. I hate him. So she confronts him later again in the gym, in their house, and he apologizes. She tries to talk to him, but he just love bombs the fuck out of her and promises he'll listen more. He's like, I'm going to listen more. But at this point, I am who I am. And I'm the guy that you married. And he's like, okay, bye. I'm going to get a shower. 
I was like, thanks. I hate it. Oh my God. And I wrote, girl, take your money and run. Right. Uh, Audrey comes over to play with the new baby, which is baby number five. God. I cannot imagine. I mean, that sounds. Oh my God. It sounds like a waking Five children is how many Dr. Sarah and I have always said we wanted. Um, but one child at three years old is really doing me in right now. Um, yep. So I'm reconsidering that idea, except that they all say that two children play with each other. So I'm like, I'm going to try two and then I'm going to reconsider after that. <laughs> two children also try to kill each other. Same. I mean, um, Audrey. Audrey's still super suspicious of Fotis, as she should be. Um, Fotis comes home and Jennifer delivers a message from the bank that he's overdue on some payments. They get in a fight and he says he has a splitting headache and doesn't want to talk about it. Then he screams at her and tells her he's three days late on a bill, but she's 10 years late on her novel. So who really has problems in this relationship? Are you fucking kidding me? No. And then she killed him and now she's really alive. <laughs> oh my god. god oh Wait, if i didn't if i didn't know what comes later in this story i would go fucking killing myself mm-hmm. yeah um jennifer continues to blog and takes a bubble bath that fotis interrupts with another bullshit apology jennifer says she's tired of having to forgive him all the time and that she's not happy he says he's going to be better and he really means it this time and then he goes to miami and meets another woman um they hot right. together. What he meant was better at sneaking. Oh, I want to be better and in parentheses at sneaking around. Get this. They hot tub together and he shows her his wedding ring saying his days of pleasure are over. But he didn't say anything about his nights. What the f- And then she castrated him right there and sent all the remains back to his wife in a jar. Yeah. Um, no, instead, he gives her a job and brings her home to meet Jennifer, who is just coincidentally also very upset because her father just died. So she's oh, like, no. who's this lady in my house? Also, my dad's dead. Good God. January 10th, 2017, Jennifer asks Fotis if he's okay because he seems to be on another planet. He tells her the business is low on cash and her father was hesitant to invest anymore. So he's just wondering if her mother will be easier to convince. And did I mention that they just walked in the door from the man's funeral? Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me wrap my head around this. So she's grieving because her Mm -hmm. father just died. Yes. And he is grieving because the well run dry. Well, no, he's grieving because her father wouldn't give him any more money. So not he's not grieving. He's just scheming to think maybe will her mom give him more money. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I'm just Trash. just really Trash. trying to. Good God. Um, so he accuses her of policing his thoughts. And she says maybe he should give himself less of an expense account. She says begging her money, her mother for money is embarrassing, and she accuses him of sleeping with Michelle, the woman he's definitely sleeping with. He confesses it and says it won't affect their family. 
Jennifer says he has to end it with Michelle or she wants a divorce, but he says he doesn't think so because she's almost 50 and will never find anyone else because their family is the only thing she'll ever accomplish in her life. And that men just have mistresses and not to be so American about it. What the absolute fucking fuck? Are you kidding me? First of all, okay, so everything else aside, not to be completely shallow about this, but have you seen pictures of Jennifer Dulos? Yeah, she's gorgeous. She was fucking gorgeous. At 50 years old, she could have walked out of that house and walked into like any home and demanded that woman's husband and just had him like she was gorgeous so like he can take several several seats but also what the fucking fuck oh it's also did i miss a i know but did i miss a memo that said men just have mistresses i don't want that but like i just need to sign that away on my contract i need to i need to like say no thanks well, I think you just need to stop being so American about it, Paul. I think that's the problem. You're too American. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Jennifer tells Audrey all of this, who is rightfully appalled. Um, but she says she doesn't want to end up divorced. And I was like, oh, my God, get a divorce. This is not the 1950s. Get a fucking divorce. Oh, my God. Audrey's I'm like, not even, like screaming. <laughs> Audrey's like inmate five oh six oh one still here. Yeah, he's out now. He's on. He's still on probation, <laughs> but um, he only wears so, the ankle monitor now. Yeah. So one night, Jennifer tells Fotis that she's been working on the kids' schedule and she thinks that they need more downtime to be able to like just be kids. And so she thinks that they should stop water skiing. Um. Fotis loses his ever-loving shit and chases her upstairs. Jennifer locks herself in the bathroom and he tries to break down the door until the nanny comes in to see what the fuck is making all that noise. And he says, quote, we're just having a disagreement. That, that's not how disagreements work. I just want to, like, shout out this nanny who, like, in real life did stick with her for, like, yeah. her kids' entire lives. Um, I would have been fucking terrified of this man, and I'm not sure I would have been able to keep that job. Yeah. My God. Um, Fotis tells Jennifer later that it's been a week and asks if she's ever going to talk to him again because they need to talk about things. And Jennifer says, yes, we do need to talk about things. After he leaves... He, she takes all the kids and is like, surprise, we're going to grandma's. And meanwhile, at work, Fotis gets served divorce papers. He calls Jennifer and starts screaming at her about where the hell she's taken his children. He tells her she has no idea who she's dealing with. And she's like, yeah, that's why we're getting divorced. <laughs> He threatens to kidnap the children and take them overseas. And she says that she'll mention it to her lawyer that he threatened to kidnap the kids. And he says, quote, well, you may as well tell them I threatened to kill you, too. Motherfucker. So because of our fucked up legal system, Jennifer basically has no recourse at this point, and she, which she and Audrey discuss. Audrey tells the police... Um, in the present times, like all about how Jennifer had started writing again and the stuff she was writing was really good. Like that, that her split from photos was like really good for her creatively. Um, 
Back in the past, she takes the kids to see their dad. She confronts him about Michelle and Michelle's daughter living with him now. And he says, quote, that's just the way it is. You don't have to like it. So Jennifer takes him back to court and is awarded full custody of the children. Fotis starts screaming at the judge like you do and accuses Jennifer of abusing antidepressants, which that's not how antidepressants work. (laughs) I'm going to take some extra so I can be extra happy today. (laughs) You're too goddamn happy in this fucking courtroom. She's over there fucking smiling while I lost my children. That's goddamn Zoloft's problem. Yeah. The judge tells him he's being emotionally abusive and instructs Fotis's lawyer to get him out of her courtroom. Wow. So naturally, he drives to Jennifer's mother's house to yell at her about the kid's doctor. Um, Jennifer tells him to get the fuck off her property. So, of course, he tries to run her over. Because, I mean, what else would you do in that situation? Well, there's no other options. Okay, so he's Greek. I don't speak Greek, but maybe translated that means please run me the fuck over with your car. Mm-mm. I don't think so. Um, we cut to Fotis and Michelle fighting over Jennifer's mother, who is now suing Fotis for $2.5 million. <laughs> Which because we already she, know he doesn't have. Right, so basically was, she's she's saying that the money they gave him was a loan and he's never paid it back. Um, and he's saying it was an investment. You know, that's like the the, the argument there. Right. Um, so Fotis does his poor, poor me routine and Michelle tells him to relax and focus on one issue, one issue at a time. And I just wrote, honey, you're in danger too. Like, get out. Um, yeah. He tells her that sometimes he wishes Jennifer would just disappear he shows up one day to visit the children and meets his new court appointed supervisor and he's not happy jennifer tells him to kick rocks so they go back to court and photos cries to the judge about how horrible his life is the judge tells him to stop being such a whiny little bitch Um, (laughs) audrey walks jennifer out of court and then tells the police that that was the last time she ever saw jennifer oh So now they're interviewing Michelle about what she did that day. And she walks them through her day, which was sex and then hanging out with photos all day long. Um, The police walk Michelle through what they know about Jennifer's day. She dropped her kids off at school and then drove home to get ready for a doctor's appointment. And then she disappeared. The nanny found Jennifer's purse on the floor in the house, but no one has seen her since. And if Michelle is telling the truth, then it seems like photos has a pretty tight alibi. But if she's not, then they're both in a little bit of trouble. We cut to the nanny coming home and finding Jennifer's purse. She calls out for Jennifer, but she's nowhere to be found. Um, She calls Jennifer on the phone, but Jennifer does not answer. And then she calls the doctor's office to see if Jennifer ever arrived for her appointment, but she did not. So she Mm. calls Audrey because Audrey knows what's up. Um, Right. They're both super worried, obviously. Um, So Audrey calls the police who descend on the house, as we've already seen. The nanny is like, hey, she's telling the police, she's like, hey, I just stocked this cabinet with a dozen rolls of paper towels last night, but now there's only two. And Audrey is like running through the house like, you need to find photos because he did it. <laughs> she's not fucking around. She's like, photos did it. I know. 
Everyone uh, needs an Audrey in their life. Everyone needs a they, ride or die who will just come in. They interview the real Audrey, like in the little like post documentary. And I think her name was Carrie or Christine. I don't remember, but she like everyone needs a friend like this woman. She knew exactly what was up and she's incredible. Um, yeah. So just as they're all talking to the police, Fotis calls to remind the nanny that his visitation is the next day. And yes, he heard about Jennifer, but he's not concerned. The nanny just needs to be sure that the kids are at the house when he gets there the next day at 11. Um, that's not suspicious or sketch at all. So they don't go, obviously. Um, Fotis goes to the building where his kids are, demanding to see them, but the police outside tell him he's not welcome on the premises. And then also the Connecticut police are looking for him, so he might want to, like, return their phone call. Um, (laughs) They go to the police station, and Fotis and his lawyer refuse to speak with the police. So the woman detective is like, oh, is that your cell phone? This was hilarious. She's like, oh, is that your cell phone? Can I can I look at it? I just want to see something. And he's like, oh, sure. And he gives it to her. His lawyer is, like, distracted by, like, a fucking butterfly or a shiny object or something. Uh-uh. He's not, like, uh-uh. his interaction. <laughs> and she's like, oh, what's the passcode? And he's like, oh, it's just four zeros, which, dude, do better. Um, And so she's like, oh, okay. And the, then the lawyer's like, wait, you can't do that. And she's like, oh, I just did. Also, we're seizing this. We're not giving it back to him. Bye. And so Yes. I was dying laughing. I really hope that that's what happened. Um, these it takes detectives a woman, have swagger. Right? Yeah. These detectives have swagger, and I like that about them. The search is ongoing. Um, they find Jennifer's vehicle, but obviously she's not in it. Um, investigators find traces of blood, but nothing else. Um, our detectives are retracing Fotis's steps to a shady part of town with a random dumpster, which is great. Um, okay, so I don't know. The way you said that makes me believe that it's like a desolate part of town where there's nothing but just a dumpster. Like, no buildings. <laughs> it's just like no, it, roads it's and just a like dumpster. A very, it's like a very industrial part of town with like a bunch of abandoned buildings with like a dumpster behind it. Like, there's no one else like right. around there. It's just right. like a random, yeah. Um, Fotis, meanwhile, is at work and he asks his assistant to replace the seats in his truck because he spilled coffee and then his assistant is like what that doesn't make sense and he's like fine fine i hugged jennifer on mother's day and i don't want any random dna being found sure jan um the police meanwhile start going through the dumpster and find a bunch of bloody clothes excellent Fotis and Michelle go to a barbecue and the host is like, hey, I'm like super surprised to see you because of everything that's going on. And um, Fotis is like, you know, Jennifer is just Jennifer. And, you know, I got to get on with my life. I can't hide in a basement forever, blah, blah, blah. And the neighbor's like, "Um, well, the police, I just read this news story. The police found evidence of, oh, what's that word they use? Oh, murder, murder. That's the word, murder. (laughs) So now the police are crawling all over Fotis's house and tell him to go get lost and find some place else to stay for a while. In his trash can, the detective finds a piece of paper that leads him to say, quote, you stupid bastard. (laughs) Yes. And suddenly they're charging down a hallway with guns. 
Michelle tells the police that Fotis is gone, but he walks in behind them from his run and they both get arrested. Okay, bye. Michelle sticks to her story and the detective pulls out the paper in question, which the entire story that she's been telling them this whole time is written on. What? (laughs) Listen, we'll get to it at the end of this when they go through it. And I'm sure you're going to get to it as well. These two people are fucking idiots. They're so Uh stupid. Both of them are fucking morons. I can't even like, like, I mean, there, there are many ways to fuck up while committing a crime and they just, they just fucked up every single thing that you can fuck up while committing a crime. They've watched every episode of CSI to see how to get caught. And they're like, oh, let's do that one. Yeah. Let's do that Mm -hmm. one. It's real bad. It's real bad. Um, Which would be really satisfying if the end of the story was not what it was. Um, Right. So. They show Michelle surveillance tapes that look like they may actually be real. And they actually are because they showed them again in the um, the little documentary. So in the movie, they show the real surveillance tapes. of. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's Um, always kind of like. It always kind of creeps me out whenever Lifetime shows yeah. the real footage. Yeah. Um, so they, 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 it's footage of him dumping evidence in different like trash cans and stuff around town. Photos uh, and Michelle make bail and Photos' lawyer says that Jennifer is probably in hiding or has died by suicide to frame, um, to frame Photos for her own murder. And then he's like, it's kind of like Gone Girl. And I'm like, that's a book. Oh, yeah. I forgot because Jennifer's a writer and Gillian Flynn's a writer that mm-hmm. they both had the same idea except literally fucking not. Yeah. Fotis gives an interview about how he knows he's innocent and nothing was horribly wrong with their marriage. They just grew apart and he totally never abused her. They barely even argued just that one time. So did, did he say, I know I'm innocent? Yeah. Because I think that is taken from his actual interview, which mm-hmm. is a very interesting wording. Um, yeah. I know I'm innocent is a very interesting wording instead of an ins- yes. insistence that I am innocent. Yes, I know I'm innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he says he just wishes that Michelle was, or not Michelle, that Jennifer was there to help him sort through this whole mess. And meanwhile, Michelle leaves photos um he begs her to stay and she asks she's like can you just please tell me the truth did you do it and he won't answer her so she leaves and i just wrote girl i'd put as many miles between yourself and that man as possible get the fuck out um yep so photos goes for a run and runs across a shrine to jennifer um, as he's looking at it, a car drives by and screams murderer out the window. <laughs> nice. Um, That's you, Aaron. Were you in this movie? <laughs> that was me. Um, so the judge, meanwhile, gives custody of the children to Jennifer's mother. Um, Audrey confronts him in the courtroom because she's a fucking badass bitch. And she's like, you're over. You're a narcissist. You're a user. You're used to winning. And now you're, you're never going to see your kids again. You're going to die in prison. Fuck you. I hate you. Um, and I was like, from your lips to God's ear. <laughs> right. Um, the detectives celebrate because there is Fotis's and Jennifer's DNA all over the bloody clothes they found. 
um, and the spots they found in the house. And they found the truck seats because Fotis's handyman was no fool and did not get rid of them. And they're also covered in both of their DNA. Um, Fotis is still throwing himself a pity party while his lawyer tells him that he cannot go around vandalizing memorials to Jennifer. It's in the don't column of his arrest, his house arrest agreement. Um, uh-uh. mm-hmm. um, so Fotis is like, fine, I'll pay for it. But his lawyer is like, oh, by the way, you're super fucked and you're being charged with murder. Your arraignment is in the morning. Why isn't his arraignment right now? Right. I don't understand how he was not taken directly into custody and this whole thing would have been avoided, but. um, Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause that night. It's just me to fuck off. Same. So that night photos gets wasted and looks at pictures of himself water skiing. Like you do. He's like looking at pictures of himself. The glory days. Um, he finds a picture of Jennifer and cries and I just wrote, Ugh, go fuck yourself. Um, the next morning Fotis writes a suicide letter about how he didn't do anything wrong and everyone has their limits. And if his head has to roll for this, then so be it. Cause you know, martyrs and shit. Um, then he locks himself in the car with the, in the garage with it running. When he doesn't show up for court, they send someone to his house to check on him where they find him and take him to the hospital. Audrey sits with the detectives and asks him to tell her what they believe happened to Jennifer with the evidence they put together. They tell her just before eight o'clock in the morning, Jennifer dropped her children off at school. Fotis meanwhile had gotten up at four 20 in the morning A neighbor's security camera shows him picking up a work truck. He's later captured this again, this whole, basically this entire crime was caught on video. Yeah. He's later captured on a rest stop security camera and he's picked up by three more cameras on his way to Jennifer's house. Um, and I just wrote, y'all don't do the crime. You will get caught. Um, he leaves his truck in a park and rides to Jennifer's on a bike. He's picked up on yet another camera while he's doing this. Jennifer pulls into the garage and because there are no cameras in the garage, this is where we lose, um, what happened. Um, they believe Fotis attacked her with a crowbar and murdered her either with a blunt object or stabbed her to death. Um, since they don't have her body, they can't tell. Um, he cleans up the scene with all those paper towels and then scrubs his hands and face. He loads up Jennifer's body, all the trash and his bike and takes Jennifer's car back to the park where they, where he abandoned it. Um, he went back to the house and after that, like everything is lost. Um, they have no idea where her body is. Audrey calls him a worthless bastard and that's just not bad enough for this guy. So, um, yeah. We cut to Jennifer's ghost, I guess, and she's voicing a blog post about kindness. Fotis is in the hospital and he dies because he's a fucking piece of shit. Um, quote, Fotis, Fotis Dulos died January 30th, 2020. Jennifer's and Fotis's five children remain in the custody of their grandmother. Michelle Traconis was charged with conspiracy to commit murder. She's pled not guilty and is currently awaiting trial. Um, we end with a montage of shots of Jennifer throughout the movie. And then we finally land on a photo of the real Jennifer Dulos. Um, quote, Jennifer's tragedy inspired Jennifer's law proposed legislation in Connecticut, broadening the definition of domestic abuse to further protect potential victims. This law would allow family court judges to protect victims, even if they have not been physically assaulted. Jennifer Dulos has never been found. Yeah. This story is awful. It reminds me a lot of Susan Cox Powell. Um, 
just thank God without the murder of yeah. the children, which I'm sure he would have pulled off if, if he had been able allowed access to them. Yeah. Yeah. He seems um, like a family annihilator. I have to say Lifetime did a really good job. They did mm-hmm. the case a lot of justice. They did like they followed it accurately and they did it delicately. It sounds like so mm-hmm. good job lifetime. Um, I really liked so, this movie. I, like I said, I kind of got wrapped up in it when I was like, wait, holy crap. Like I knew of this case and I knew what happened. Bless you. Yeah. But I actually you. didn't know if he had survived or if he had actually died. And when they got to the fact that right. he died, I was so fucking pissed off. I was like, you gotta be kidding uh-huh. me. Ugh. Yeah. All right, so I used Wikipedia, and I used, um, oh, crap, I forgot to write. Um, I think the New York Times or the New York Post, one of those. Um, So from the outside, it appeared that Jennifer Dulos had the, you know, that perfect life. She was Ivy League educated. Mm -hmm. She was the mother of five. She was an aspiring writer who lived in a gated community in New Canaan, Connecticut, she had a large trust fund. She was beautiful. She seemed to have it all. But on May 24th, 2019, Jennifer vanished after dropping her kids off at school. Soon, suspicions turned to her charming ex-husband, Fotis Dulos, a, I guess, real estate developer, who, as you said, made a job of what building houses that nobody wanted to buy nobody wanted to buy he was literally like building houses and jennifer would tell him like nobody's bought one of your (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) um with whom she was in the middle of a messy divorce and custody battle and as of today june 18th 2021 um jennifer still has not been found so hate these cases like that they're so upsetting yeah and as i told you this morning when we started recording um i find it crazy that lifetime covered this case so quickly we just passed the second anniversary of her disappearance like the dust hasn't even settled um because of covid the trials haven't even been able to happen for Mm -hmm. um the people who do have charges pending um Mm -hmm. And so it's just crazy to me that they move that quickly. But um, so, I mean, look at the Chris Watts case. And I mean, like I said this morning, we've got a Lori Vallow movie coming up. So, I mean, they're, they're moving quickly on that. They're, they're very, they're taking rip from the headlines very seriously right now. Yeah. So Jennifer Farber, Farber Dulos was born on September 27th, 1968 in New York City to Gloria Ortenberg and Hilliard Farber, a banker and phil- ph- um, philanthropist, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, she, um, she had an older sister, Melissa Irene Farber. Jennifer's maternal aunt and uncle, Elizabeth Claiborne and Arthur Ortenberg, founded the fashion company Liz Claiborne. Like, her aunt was Liz Claiborne. <laughs> So when we, when we talk about how much money they had. They had a lot of fucking uh, money. They're not like <laughs> yes. regular rich people. These are like, okay. So like we, this morning we did soccer mom, madam, like Fotis is who she was looking for. Exactly. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because they just had millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's like so much money. Right. Right. Um, so Jennifer graduated from Brown University in 1990. And then she later went on to earn a master's degree in writing from New York University's Tisch School of the Arts, which... Yes. Just like a very... How incredible. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, going to Brown is one thing. And then, like, just stacking NYU on top of that. Like, what did she, like, go to get her doctorate from Harvard after that? Come on. Right. Um, And then it said she was a stay-at-home mother who made her living as a writer for Patch.com and also ran her own blog. No, that is a work-from-home mother. Um, If she was writing for Patch.com, like, it is hard to write from home. And she was especially when you have five children running around, I imagine. Right. Um, So, Fotis, on the other hand, was born August 6th, 1967, in Turkey and grew up in Athens, Greece, moving into the US in 1986. He graduated from Brown University in 1989 and later earned an MBA in finance from Columbia Business School. Fotis married Hillary Vanessa Aldama. Also a Brown graduate in Athens in June 2000. The marriage lasted four years. They were divorced on June July 12, 2004. That year, Dulos founded 4A Group in, uh, Incorporated, a real estate development company specializing in luxury homes based in Connecticut. That's as much time as I wanted to devote to him, but I thought a little bit I mean, of background he was necessary. Went, <laughs> let's just say, like, he went to Brown and then Columbia and learned absolutely nothing. Right. Um, I didn't even know that was possible. Right. So that is something I will say. The most, the most narcissistic people I have ever met have all been very intelligent when it comes to like book smarts. Mm -hmm. And that is very interesting. Um, They also usually come from a background where they have something that they have to prove. And so I don't know anything about his background and I don't care to research, but I would be curious yeah. to know if there is something in his background that made it. So he was constantly trying to prove something like from, a well, I will say the now. most narcissistic person I know, um, did not struggle and did not have anything to prove. Right. Um, came from a very good family, actually. And yeah. I would know. Um, yeah. But I will tell you when we get to the end of this story. So at the end of the little documentary, at the end of this movie, um, they had reached out to his family for a statement. And his brother responded. And and I hate this whole family. So. Oh, good. Okay, great. Um, so um, Fotis started emailing Jennifer... Um, who he had met at emailing. Brown. Uh-huh. Sorry. While he was still with his first wife. Yeah. They married in Manhattan just over a month after his divorce. Um, and then subsequently moved to Farmington, Connecticut. They had five mm-hmm. children together, including two sets of twins, and they were all named after Greek Orthodox saints. Um... And then I have the children's names are beautiful, but I try not to include the children's names and things because it, no, they're that's not fine. the story. Um, I mean, they so are and that this horrible thing happened to them and like people should just leave them the fuck alone. Right, exactly. They don't need to be dragged into it because they were dragged into more than enough. Oh, those poor babies. 
In a blog post on March 12, 2012, um, Jennifer alluded to trouble in her marriage. Uh, she wrote, quote, I wish I were a strong person and that confrontation did not both scare and appall me. Um, and so after the gradual breakdown of the marriage, uh, in which Jennifer claimed that Fotis was living an increasingly independent life, is what she said in court documents, um, or in her writing, I mean, she filed for divorce on June 20th, 2017, um, at the Superior Court in Stamford. In the same month, she started renting a house in New Canaan, which was about 70 miles southwest of Farmington, and moved there with her five children. Mm-hmm. In her divorce documents, she wrote, quote, I know that filing for divorce and filing this motion will enrage him. I know he will retaliate by trying to harm me in some way. So I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. Yeah. Um, she also went on to say that she believed she was ha- he was having an affair with his colleague, Michelle Traconis, um, which I misspelled every time I typed in my notes. Um, as like every time I typed it, it looked like some kind of disease. I wrote like trachonosis and all this weird nonsense. So no yeah. telling what I have still left in here. Um, who was, is from uh, Venezuela. So mm-hmm. yes, Jennifer also, um, Jennifer also alleged that Fotis had threatened to kidnap their children. If she did not agree to his terms in the divorce settlement and that he had bought a gun that year. Um, but wouldn't you know, good old Fotis denied making these threats. And um, he said that he bought that gun for home security because well, sure. in their in their neighborhood, which had little to no crime and almost zero break-ins, he needed that and as, gun. As, as he is going to find out the hard way, security cameras in every fucking house uh-huh yeah like by 2019 everyone had a ring like yeah <laughs> um so both both photos and jennifer filed numerous motions claiming that the other was um disparaging them so Jennifer requested an emergency order of custody, um, but the judge granted joint custody of their children until the end of the divorce proceedings. And when Jennifer again requested an emergency order of custody in early 2018, the, the judge then found that Fotis had broken numerous court orders. So in March of 2018, Jennifer was awarded sole physical custody of the children um, while both parents shared joint legal custody photos okay, was granted be... oh go ahead i'm sorry it, it, does he later lose legal custody um i believe so okay okay because then it must have been later because um in the movie when they get into the fight they get into a fight over the children's doctor like she changes the doctor without telling him and that's a legal custody issue and like um when they're doing when they're in court for custody, the um, judge specifically states like um, she will have full physical custody and also be responsible for all decision making with regards to the children. So, and that's what legal gotcha. custody is. So. I'm just curious. Um, 
So Fotis was granted supervised visitation and monitored phone calls at this proceeding in March. And I think so, it stemmed um, from the fact that he told he told the kids not to tell their mom that Michelle was living with him, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in February of 2018, after Jennifer's father's death, um, Gloria, Jennifer's mother, sued Fotis for unpaid loans. She claimed that he owed them $1.7 million loaned to him by his father-in-law. Um, and of course, he said that that was an investment and he was enraged. And um, so at this point, because the movie made it sound like they were together at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or like, so like whenever her dad died. No, it they, was they were while they together? were going through the divorce. Yeah. Okay. So when okay. her dad died, they were still together. But when her, when her mom sued him, they were already separated. Okay. So from, from what I understood the her dad died while they were already separated. Um, oh, good. But I don't know that, you know, continuity is not well, yeah. necessarily great between all of these things. Um, yeah. so they had these, they had, so that was February, 2018. And then in the following year, before she went missing in May of 2019, they went back to court concerning custody, like three or four more times. And so, yeah. um, Fotis just, the, I can't speak for him because I never knew him, obviously. Um, but in general, to make a broad generalization, men like Fotis are not actually concerned about their children. They're concerned about no. power and they're concerned about the way that it looks to lose custody of your children. And they're concerned about um, hurting your ex-partner. Um, yeah. And so the custody battle was never about the children I would venture and was more about hurting Jennifer. Um, oh, of course. I, again, I cannot say for a fact, but I, I can speak in generalization that that is typically the case. You know, it is. And I think that especially narcissistic, like, I don't know if he was ever, diagnosed narcissistic i'm gonna assume that he was a narcissist however based on his behavior so um men like that they see everything as a pawn as a manipulation like as something to be manipulated and to him his children probably meant nothing but a way to manipulate jennifer when he wanted to. right right which is horrible um so um fast forward to may 24th 2019 Jennifer was last seen around 8 o'clock a.m. when she dropped her children off at New Canaan uh, Country School and then at Mm -hmm. 8.05 a.m. on a neighbor's security camera returning home. The same day, she missed two doctor's appointments that she'd scheduled for 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. in New York City. Later that evening at around 7 p.m., two of her friends, including her nanny, Lauren Almeida, who is Mm -hmm. the super nanny that stayed with her through all of this, um, Mm -hmm. reported her missing after they failed to get in contact with her. Family and friends of Jennifer stated that it would be out of character for her to leave home on her own without telling anyone. 
Mm-hmm. So Lauren, the nanny, arrived at her house around 11.30 that morning and told detectives that she was surprised to see Jennifer's Rain Roger, Ray, Rage Rover. Range Rover? Range Rover. There it is. Rover Rover. Jennifer's big old car in the garage because Herb she Erlinger's fruit line. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because she'd planned to take it to the doctor's appointment instead of her right. Suburban, but the Suburban was missing. Right. Um, so when detectives searched the house, they found blood spatter on the floor. I double checked that I spelled that correctly yesterday. So just for you. Thank you. Um, they found blood spatter on the floor, the wall, and on the door in the garage, as well as on the exterior of the Range Rover. Blood was also found in the kitchen and DNA tests revealed most of the blood to be Jennifer's apart from the blood on the kitchen faucet, a mixture belonging to both her and Fort Fotis. I tried to say Fortis. Um, police also found other evidence of Jennifer being the victim of a serious assault. Um, so Jennifer's Suburban had been captured on the neighbor's security camera, leaving her home around 1025 that morning. Fotis was believed to be the one driving the victim's vehicle, carrying the body of Jennifer and other items associated with probable cleanup. That same mm-hmm. evening around 730 PM, Fotis and Michelle were captured on video dumping garbage bags in 30 bins around Hartford. Yeah. The trash bags were found to contain various pieces of bloodied clothing as well as blood-stained cleaning items. The blood was determined to be that of Jennifer's. Fotis's DNA was found on the inside of a glove in one of the trash bags and on one of the trash and on one of the trash bags. And the suburban was later found at the side of a uh, at the side of a road in um, near a park in New Canaan, about three miles away from her home. Mm-hmm. Um, so police searched numerous properties in and around Farmington and near Fotis's home without success. Investigators believed he arrived by bike to Jennifer's home due to tire marks found and other evidence. Um, he is believed to have been I'm assuming it's the video of him like <laughs> like Wicked Witch of the Westing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you my thing. Um, so Fotis is believed to have been lying in wait for his, for Jennifer to return home. And then he killed her in the garage whenever she returned from dropping their kids at school. Helicopters were used to look for signs of Jennifer as well as canine units and divers. Um, there's been no activity on her credit cards and no calls made from her cell phone as of May 24th. On January nineteenth of this year. Oh, but don't you just know that that she she um, went off to frame him for her own murder, and also um, she oh, what was the other? Oh, she's addicted to antidepressants. She abuses antidepressants. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Wait till I talk about shitty lawyers because we're going to end with some shitty lawyer work. Oh, we're going to talk about his lawyer because I hate that guy too. Okay. Um, so 
On January 19th of this year, Connecticut State Police visited property on Mountain Spring Road in Farmington, which was once owned by FOTUS's real estate company, to follow up on, quote, old leads, which does that mean they were outstanding and they just like didn't do anything about them? Because like, why, why wouldn't, I don't know what that means. I um, mean, several authorities could the be entire seen. legal system failed in this case, the whole uh-huh. fucking thing, I, except the two detectives that were awesome. They're, they're good. Right. Um, police also brought in Bob Perry, who is nationally renowned at finding unmarked grave sites but he would not say if anything had been discovered. Um, the next imagine day, being, police were... What? Imagine that being, being so the thing that you're known at, for. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you're being interviewed and the little strip comes across and it's like unmarked gravesite expert. It's like you're you're on The Bachelor and that's like your Chiron and the bottom like um, gravesite expert. <laughs> right? I don't know. Um, I don't watch the show anymore, but I heard there's a guy on this season that's uh, a skin salesman, and I have so many questions, but not enough to actually watch the show. (laughs) Right. Um, So um, the next day, police returned to that same property with an excavator and a septic tank. Well, while they're there. (laughs) Don't know. Um... And then police briefly spoke with the media, but they said they did not have any updates. So we don't know what was found there. And I tried to like search harder. Um, So on June 1st, 2019, Fotis and Michelle were arrested at a hotel in Avon, Connecticut, and were charged initially with tampering with evidence and hindering prosecution. So not enough evidence uh, existed at the time to warrant any more serious charges. And, um, at that time there, you know, the five children were sent to live with Jennifer's mother, um, with whom, uh, or to whom a judge granted custody. Um, yeah. so Fotis hired attorney Norm Patty. His last name is Pattis, but we're just going to call him Patty because he's a dick. He sucks. Um, yeah. So... In an, in an interview prior to being hired by Fotis, Patty had appeared convinced that Jennifer was dead. Like, before Fotis hired him, he just flat out said something along the lines of like, um, I hope they find her body soon. I mean, it was very obvious. Um, but then how quickly the money helps you change your tune. Yeah. Um, so both... Um, both of them pleaded not guilty to the charges, obviously. They were um, again arrested in September of 2019 for tampering with evidence and pleaded not guilty. And then, so I don't like, I don't know how you get arrested twice without a, something happening in the middle. I don't know what happened there. Um, so then photos appeared oh, in court. Oh, what happened is that this it, what happened is that this case is a fucking clusterfuck and everyone uh-huh. fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um so photos appeared on October 4th in court to seek a dismissal of the charges against him and the judge was like, "I'll look into that." 
the judge did not look into that. They were they were never no, going to dis- dismiss those charges. Um, in late October, it was reported that Michelle, along with her ten year old daughter, had moved out of Fotis's five million dollar home in Farmington. Aww. On January on January seventh, twenty twenty, Fotis was arrested I at his home. One of my by- boyfriend turns out to be a murderer. Right. So on January twenty, uh, January seventh of twenty twenty, Fotis was arrested at his home by Connecticut State Police and was charged with capital murder, murder, and kidnapping, all in relation to Jennifer's disappearance. And Michelle was also arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Fotis's friends and his former attorney Kent Douglas Mawinney will also talk about Mawinney. Yes. How okay. did this motherfucker get charged with capital murder and then they let him go? Uh-huh. Um, Mawini was also detained on January 7th and charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Um, so Mawini became estranged from his wow, his wife, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> his wife sense. after being accused of spousal rape. Um, his wife went to South Windsor police and told the authorities that she feared Fotis and Mawinney were working together to kill her. After mm-hmm. Jennifer disappeared, a shallow grave was discovered at a secluded property that Mawinney owned filled with two bags of lime and a blue tarp. Authorities and a sniffer dog discovered the grave in August, 2019, but no body was found in the grave and no items were found to have been removed. What? Yeah. So this guy just kind of appeared out of nowhere. You're an attorney, bro. <laughs> um, what are you doing? So. I quit. I quit the show. I'm done. On January 8th, Fotis's bond was set for eight, uh, $6 million dollars. And so he was released the following day and due to return to court. No, no. If you get charged with a capital murder, you get no bail. While out on bail, he failed to appear in court on January 28th for an emergency bond hearing. He was found in an unresponsive state by police in his home in Farmington, having poisoned himself with carbon monoxide, by running a vacuum cleaner hose from an exhaust pipe of his SUV into the interior of his car while it was parked in the garage. At Initially, least in this movie, he had not been charged with murder yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so initially it was reported that he'd been found dead, but he actually had been um, found unresponsive. was but- alive. They restored a pulse and um, airlifted him to Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx, where he was put on hyperbaric oxygen therapy um, and was kept alive, at least for his children to see him before he died. So he was finally, he was eventually pronounced dead on January 30th at 52 years old. And he left a note that is the shittiest note I have ever read. Quote, if you're reading this, I am no more. I refuse to spend even an hour in jail for something I had, in all caps, nothing to do with. Enough is enough. 
If it takes my head to end this, so be it. Please let my children know that I love them. I would do anything to be with them, but unfortunately, we all have our limits. So, sir, you would not do anything to be with them if you have your limits. Let's just rip this little note apart. All right, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. So, um, this motherfucker right has the audacity which i I, again i just want to have the audacity of a mediocre white man and this isn't even a mediocre white man he's just a shitty one he has the audacity to write this note where he's like well i didn't do it despite the fact that i definitely did and there's all the evidence in the world to show that i did and so now what i'm going to do is die by suicide and I'm never going to let my the mother of my children's family know where her body is. You uh-huh. fucking asshole. Uh-huh. I hate it. Yep. Um, so, <sighs> while he was in the garage killing him self his new girlfriend was in the living room of their house with no idea what was going on um so they planned to drive to the courthouse together but Fotis said they should drive separately so on the way to the courthouse she received a, co- a call from patty asking where Fotis was and she said they were driving separately but um he said that Fotis's GPS tracker showed he was still at home. And so that's when she realized that um, he must have done something to harm himself and asked Patty to call 911, which just sounds like a real sketchy story to me. I have a question. Also, why's he got a new girlfriend? Yes. Thank you. That is my question. Why does this man keep getting girlfriends and I can't get a text back? I've seen this man. He's not attractive. I have no he idea. He might have been when he married Jennifer. He probably, well, he was when he married Jennifer. By this he point, was. he's looking busted. So, in a statement in May 2020, Michelle said it was, quote, a mistake to have trusted Fotis, but maintains that she did not know what happened to Jennifer, Jennifer or of her whereabouts. Michelle was out on bond and um, was scheduled... See, she had to appear in court August 6, 2020 to face charges. Mawinney was being held in lieu of a $2 million bond. But then the bond was reduced to $246,000 and he was released October 19th of 2020. So then... In January of 2021, Michelle's attorney asked the judge to drop some of the charges against her. He went on to question if the state had probable cause to arrest her for the evidence tampering and conspiracy to commit uh, evidence tampering charges. He went on to say that the state police fucked everything up, claiming that the warrant, quote, contained false statements, recklessly disregarded the truth, and omitted material facts. And, you know, that's probably accurate. We have heard how police like to do things. Yeah. Like, those those words might be accurate, for all I know. Um, it is important to note that the attorney did not address the conspiracy to commit murder charge, 
or the hindering charge that Michelle also faces. Like he didn't even mm-hmm. touch those. Um, no. One motion focuses on surveillance video from a neighborhood in Hartford on May 24th, the last day that um, Jennifer was seen. Police say that cameras captured Fotis and Michelle disposing of trash that was later test that later tested positive for Jennifer's blood. Um, but her attorney Shernhorn pointed out that um, the Ford Raptor, which was being drove driven, the Ford Raptor's female passenger, which was believed to be Michelle, never exited the vehicle and did not assist the driver in the disposal of any garbage bags. Um, something he believes was purposely omitted. So you can't tell for sure that it's Michelle is what he's saying. Um, yeah. A second motion calls out the prosecution and asks for sanctions, alleging that relevant information and materials have not been turned over to the defense as required. Um, it specifically references a nearly three-hour interview that state police did with co-defendant Kent Mawinney, in which he implicated Fotis and Michelle in Jennifer Dulles' murder, um, but denied that he was involved in the conspiracy. Um, mm-hmm. Which he should be given that, since it does implicate his client. I will right. become that. Right. Um, and then he... Um, is also trying to force the court to give him access to sealed documents, including psychological tests that were done along with transcripts of divorce and custody hearings between Jennifer and Fotis. When the court, right. When the court wouldn't give him access, he allegedly, because he allegedly seems the type to sue people for bashing him. So I'm just going to say mm-hmm. allegedly a whole lot right here in case he ever sure. hears us. He allegedly stomped his feet and pouted and said the court was violating his rights and the first and 14th amendment by not letting him have access to that information. I'm pretty course, sure that's probably wild. in a transcript somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, this is wild speculation, but I would not be surprised if he intends to build a case against Jennifer just as much as against Fotis. Um, But this is just me guessing. Um, So that motion was finally granted in May, like this past May. Um, Court will meet again in September to determine his ruling on the other motions for dropping charges based on probable cause. Um, Yeah. In May of 2021, Kent Mawinney appeared in court to beg a judge to let him take off his ankle monitor so that he could pretty please wear a hockey skate so that he could referee a hockey game, I wrote with a question mark at the end. Get Um, fucked, bro. (laughs) His attorneys claimed his compliance with bond guidelines deep ties to Connecticut experience in jail and multiple known trips to Florida and returning with no issues were sufficient grounds to grant the motion. So like, well, since he came back every time he left, Oh, they both with their ankle monitors on are getting to go everywhere. Like 
the judge even said something about Michelle getting to live her life, like her life gets to go on, which is like as it should or something. And I'm like, let us not forget that Jennifer's dead and no one knows anything yet. Let us not forget that. <coughs> her life doesn't get to go on. So like everyone no. can get fucked. For real. So I hate that so, so much. Yeah. So so the attorneys are like, well, you know, since the dog has his leash on and he comes back every time, we can just take the leash off and he'll come back, right? Right? Totally. And the judge the judge said, nah, bruh. Like that yeah. that was not. Um no. so Michelle had to reappear in court on May 25th, 2021, just as a check-in, basically. Um at which point it was reported that a jury trial in this case is unlikely to occur until sometime next year, since Connecticut has to work through such a large backlog of trials that were deferred yeah. during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, yeah. So we have unfortunately no closure and no information and everything sucks and I hate it. Great. So, I could not find the statement they released for this movie. And maybe this is, maybe this is it. Um, um, but Fotis's family did release a statement after his death, um, stating the following that they feel, they believe he was innocent and feel let down by a state that, pursued and harassed him relentlessly and a world too quick to label him a monster um they were highly critical of the connecticut court system um and the media that quote that used him to make sensationalistic headlines thus manipulating public opinion um, quote, we feel devastated that a man only 52 years old found himself in a dead end where he saw taking his own life as the only way to be granted peace. Um, so that's bullshit. And I do not understand why part of this new law that they're trying to get past Jennifer's law doesn't say that when you're charged with a capital murder, you don't get to go home. Yeah, no joke. I um, believe that Jennifer's law was passed like recently. It passed the house. Okay. It's okay. headed to the governor now. Um Yeah, it's passed both rounds of legislation, so it went to the governor now to be passed. Um and that was as of June 4th, so I knew it was a very recent update. But yeah. yeah. Um Also, um and I in just want to talk about to- this lawyer. Um, I'm sorry for real, like for in the in the ending documentary that they have about this case. Fotis's lawyer says that he feels Jennifer was let down by the system, which would be fine if he were not the system that let her down. Right right you're the fucking problem dude right thank you i hate that good night i i can't yeah i 
I can't believe that he was allowed to make Bond. Bond, yeah. Like, like I just, that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Oh my. So terrible. And, you know, as much as I want to say, like, and Jennifer's Law is a good thing. It's a good thing. It allows you to get um, protective orders and things when you haven't been physically assaulted. However, a protective order in this specific case, I don't think would have changed the outcome of this story. No. Unfortunately, and I I feel like we've said this before, a restraining order, a protective order, those things piece of paper. Are, I've had one. They're piece of paper. They're just like locks on a car. You know, if someone wants into their your car, they're they're gonna get into your car. Yeah. And um, it's a terrible shame. So um I hate this story and he should have been in jail. Um, and you know what, maybe, maybe if he was in jail, he would have just died by suicide in jail. Um, but I feel like there would have been at least some other like mitigating factors there. And, um, I hate that they're probably never going to find this poor woman's body and her kids are never going to know where she is and her parents are never going to know where she is. And that's terrible. I hope that they find her. It is my sincerest prayer. Yeah. I remember, I remember when this all broke two years ago, this one just ate me up two years ago. Yeah. Um, Five babies. And reliving it. It's awful. Those poor babies, that poor mom. Mm -hmm. I mean, just so many people hurting. Yeah. Um, Awful. Say something funny. I don't have anything funny. Um, oh, hey, do you know who I saw yesterday? Who? Everyone I looked at. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> what, you don't like eye jokes? Are they too cornea for you? Aaron's done with me now. <laughs> I am. I'm done with you. At least Do I don't want to talk to you for like two more days. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I have to go pick up little boy from school. So do you want to tell everybody where they can find us? Sure. Are you just going to like dip out while I do this? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just like us. rushing to the end now. <laughs> I just realized what time on, it was. You can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Lifetime Pod. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence, on TikTok at Lifetime Sentence. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Um, and you can go to our website that's LifetimeSentence.com and you can email us at podcast at Lifetime Sentence.com. Yep. Yes! And also, there you go. Molly, crushed it. Molly, Maeve, if, Egan, if you're listening to this, we miss you. <laughs> Yes, yes, come back to us. Come Baby, back. come back. <laughs> yes, so this was great. Um, on our next episode from this one, which I don't even know what, I, I guess we're just going to release these in order. Uh, it's going to be Left for Dead, which is another really sad one. So great, yay. Can't wait. 
Yeah. But at least it's a, it's a survivor story, so that's good. That's true. Yes. So, All right. Until then. Well, thanks everybody for hanging out with us. Um, yeah. And always. Until then, don't forget to eat your vegetables and charge your phone. Bye. Bye bye.